It's time for building the game. Building the game. With Jason and friends. From tabletop game design. The the end of the episode that's when it technically ends hello and welcome to building the game a documentary podcast today is monday august 30th and you're listening to episode 483 as always i am your host jason here today joined by someone i haven't seen in many moons probably because they live across many oceans or one many sounded better (laughs) so you could say they live across the other side of oceana if that uh but i have with me today i have (laughs) <laughs> Michael Fox with me. Hey man, how's it going? I'm good, man. Thank you very much. Yeah, be- beautiful, beautiful intro. Um, very subtle. Well done. Uh, big fan. So, uh, <laughs> so if anybody, uh, uh, Michael has uh, designed a lot of stuff, but Mega City Oceana, as I mentioned in the little subtle thing, holding on the troubled life of Billy Kerr. Um, yeah, you've designed a lot of stuff, worked on a ton of stuff, developing and stuff too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met, uh, we met, uh, through email, uh, quite a while ago, chatting about a game we were working on. And then we actually met in person. Was that at origins two years ago or was it at Gen Con? I think it would have been Gen Con because, yeah. um, it's, it's been a hot minute since I've been at origins. Um, I've only been at origins once. And it was an amazing time because I just had to go and do some work at the very beginning mm-hmm. of this show mm-hmm. and then some work at the very end of the show. So I got to spend nice. the entire show just playing games and hanging out, which was very lovely. Um, but yeah, Gen- I'm pretty sure it was Gen Con because um, it would have been a couple of years ago before uh, we had a booth. So we could only get like tables, like demo tables. So mm-hmm. it, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure, it was, uh, pretty sure it was then. Yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, yeah, I haven't seen a lot of people in a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, I can't think why. Just sort of like we all, we all feel very sort of like homebody at the minute, and yeah, I think it's a vibe we're kind of enjoying. It is. I actually, uh, it's, it was great. I, I anybody who listened to the last episode knows I just did a game design weekend mm-hmm. uh, with Neil Roberts, uh, who I don't know if you met Neil, but Neil was the other person who designed Compulse, the the game you mm-hmm. had played of ours, and then uh, Kelly Hoagland, another designer. We are all vaccinated and we went to a nice little uh, game design retreat, just the three of us in Ottawa, Illinois, which is uh, about basically it's the town with a good coffee shop that Neil looked for uh, and is three is about it's about equidistant from all of us. So about three okay. and a half, four hours. So spent a weekend designing a brand new game uh, and it was it was so, so weird to be uh with with people who i haven't seen in a year and a half uh just in the company of other humans i imagine is is quite strange people i'm not related to (laughs) it was a nice it was a nice break for everyone i think you know Mm -hmm. uh and uh yeah it was so it was it was really weird it's it was it was a really odd feeling like you're like together in a house, not wearing masks. And you're like, are we breaking a rule? Like this just feels weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. entirely get what you mean. Like it's, it's, um, we've been on lockdown over here. Uh, I live in Belfast, Northern Ireland, by the way, dear listener. And, um, we've been on lockdown pretty much since like March last year, um, uh, with a few sort of like, you know, variances of, Hey, you can now go outside and get a coffee or you can, now have a human person in your house that sort of thing <laughs> just one uh, but just the one uh the and the sort of like the few times where like i've either like had folks over for you know just hanging out or just uh doing meeting stuff about something we'll talk about later uh or going out for like a games night or something like that it's mm-hmm. it feels very weird still 
it feels very sort of like, like you said, are we breaking a rule here? Right, right, right. And it's just like, well, you know, we're, we're following all of the precautions. We, you know, we're all signed up for track and trace and we're all doing this and all doing that. But it's like, it still feels very odd. Um, it didn't take us long to sort of like shift into that, into that mode of, of being, being super over careful, I think. And coming out of it is going to take quite a while to sort of like shift right. into reverse. Right. That was, that was the way for my family and stuff. But for, for a good deal of Americans, they did not realize that anything was happening. Uh, so I've been like, watching the baseball season. Right. It's, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and it's Lord. weird because, you know, like I, I think with, with Ireland, correct me if I'm wrong. You, you probably had a lot of like mandates, like at the national level. Is that correct? Like when you, the rules yeah. are implemented. Yeah. And we don't, we don't do that. Like, I mean, we could, but we tend not to, it's more of the mandates by state, And so mm-hmm. like, depending on the state you live in, it could be like, you know, in Michigan, like in, in my county, kids have to wear masks in schools. Uh, there are other counties where kids in other states where kids are banned from wearing masks in schools. I've seen and like, like the, uh, the the school councils are sort of like getting around it by writing them into the dress code. Yes, which like, was genius. Very good. That's I know. What, I was that's like, the kind well, of rules lawyering we like to see. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, oh, no, it's not a mask. It's just part of their uniform. Sorry. Yes. How it I is. loved it. Sorry about I loved that. it. I mean, what's, what's uh, kind of nice is uh, over here we do have the like the government from on high is like going, yes, you need to follow these rules, uh, but because Northern Ireland has a, a devolved parliament, uh, it's it's basically like a state legislature, I guess. Um, so they mm-hmm. are able to put their own their own rules into force, and uh, had I think out of like England, Scotland. Wales and Northern Ireland had like the most stringent of uh, of rulings. Now, unfortunately, our cases are going up again because hey, Delta variants kicking everybody's butt. Um, yeah, but yeah. you know, we're we we're, we're doing we're doing okay. We're, we're we're doing our best. Right, right. Yeah, no. I mean, that's that's all we can do at this point, right? Is you know keep I think keep so. trying. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, well, enough about that doom and gloom. Uh, but it is interesting to talk to somebody from another uh, country. It's uh, in regards to this. The last I have a uh, a fellow co-host uh, who she is based in Australia, and that mm-hmm. was night and day listening to how they handled it and how the success they had mm-hmm. uh, early on when we did not. <laughs> yeah, and now the um, hey, we've had like one like New Zealand. They had like one case. They completely shut down the country. I know. Just, like, I was oh, like, wow. Let's yeah. make that happen. Um, I have friends in Sydney, in Australia. Um, similar vibe over there. They just had another breakout. So immediate lockdown. And it's like, this is what needs to be done, folks. Yep. Yep. It's almost like it. they're trying to control it. <laughs> Who'd have thought? I know. Such, what a crazy idea. wild dreams. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, and then if they do get sick, they have health care too. So that's also neat because you know I mean, what that's we, like. But yeah, we, we don't. We yeah. also, yeah, it's quite, uh, I mean, quite useful. It's crazy to say that in the United States, I'm incredibly privileged because I have pretty decent health care. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a weird reason to be privileged. Uh, when it's just, you know, how the rest of the world works. But whatever, whatever. It's cool. Oh, yeah, that does remind me. I need to go and pick a little note. Got to go and pick up my prescription tomorrow, which I get for free. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. so um, yeah. don't wish to rub it in there any further. About we, get our- some, we get some random prescriptions for free, and we've actually had... <laughs> companies like that just aren't... like the idea of like random drugs just like just want yeah. some of this yeah here you go yeah. it's crazy like 
Uh, I mean, like we have some companies you get birth control for free. We have other companies where you can't get birth control at all because they refuse to pay for it. Uh, it's Yikes. the weirdest thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty odd. It's pretty odd. So yeah. America. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. more, you know, I was just looking at Iceland and my wife and I were talking about how Iceland may be a place to relocate to. They, uh, they're, they have currently zero cases, uh, mm-hmm. no, or they have a couple cases, but they've had like zero deaths since March. Yeah. And everyone's vaccinated. They have over 90% vaccination rate. Cause people are like, well, it's just our duty. We got to get vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Nordics, um, like Scandinavian <laughs> countries. I think they yeah, are, yeah. I would love to go live there one day. Um, I also love the fact that they have some very, very weird rules occasionally. So like, um, I think it's, I think it's Iceland that has like, uh, state mandated first names. You may not have certain names as your first name because <laughs> it's just not on, it's not on a government list. Like you can't call like a kid Kylie or Brittany or something like that because it's not an Icelandic name, but Björk is entirely, entirely fine. <laughs> wow. Wow. So yeah, so if you're going to move there and you're not comfortable with those names, then be done having children by the time you yeah. move there. <laughs> you know, Iceland, the ideal retirement spot. What would you want? It's perfect. Right, right. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> well, all, all right. Let's uh, let's chat about a topic here. So you, okay. uh, uh, I asked for a topic idea, and you you had a really good one um, that I was telling you we haven't we haven't talked about this in a long, long time. So I'm excited to cover it. So go ahead and uh, tell us what we're going to talk about today. So the, I guess the overall topic is the idea of failing faster. Um, The idea basically of, Hey, you get an idea in your head and I know as gamers, we can be very sort of, and this is, this isn't being rude or anything, but you know, we can be quite sedentary when it comes to our, ideas when it comes to our concepts uh and it's like yeah so i'm just gonna get this little idea written down here and wanting to sort of like take this idea that you have in your head Mm -hmm. and just have it sort of like you know you 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 just have it sit there and you sort of like you percolate on it for a while and you percolate on it for a while and you know sometimes it might just fade away and nothing comes of it uh i have found uh actually especially over the last couple of years uh, that the idea of failing faster is very, very appealing. So literally mm-hmm. taking an idea that you've got and just making the roughest, bare bones, just piece of trash prototype that you can throw together <laughs> from scraps of paper and coins that you've cribbed from one box and meeples you've grabbed from another one or whatever, and just trying it, just seeing if there's anything there. Um, and, and, and a lot of it has been sort of like driven by the fact that uh, I, I have a Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash idlemichael, uh, where I a lot of the time play video games, a lot of the time I'm playing silly stuff, but also a lot of the time I will just be doing like working out loud, just working on new game ideas, coming up with new game concepts and building them there and then on stream and, you know, trying to harass people into coming on, <laughs> to tabletop simulator and saying, "Hey, come on, right, come on, we're live now. Let's let's play something stupid and see if it works." A lot of the time, it won't, and I think the idea of fail faster is embrace that, embrace that speed, embrace that 
desire to build and then iterate, iterate, iterate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. It's given me sort of like a, I'm not going to say like a whole new lease on life as a designer, but it's certainly <laughs> like, it's, it, it sparked my creative process in a different way, which I think sometimes that's all you need to do. You just need to right. think different. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, uh, there's the topic. Let us discuss further. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are all some, some really, really good points about that. You know, I, I am guilty of not doing that most of the time. I am the, <laughs> let's get it inside my head. Let's, so I will, my general way of working on design is I'll have an idea. Yeah. I will ignore the idea for mm-hmm. a while. Then I'll get a spark and I'll make a bunch of notes. I might even, I might even sometimes believe me, this is the worst way to game design, but let me tell you this. I will write the entire rules for the game formatted. I will write the whole rules just to get it out of my head because it's stuck there. Um, And sometimes, sometimes it's a time thing, right? Like sometimes it's like, I don't have a way to test this. So I'm Mm -hmm. just going to, just going to info dump it onto a, onto a rule sheet and go from there. Right. Sometimes what I find is by explaining those rules, I will find a bunch of flaws Mm -hmm. uh, or issues enough to where I'll just stop working on it. Which, in its own, is a way of failing faster, right? Um, it's not nearly as efficient as what you're talking about. Um, and, you know, I, uh, I, I, it's something that I strive to be better at because I, I think a few things, you know, pop into my head. One is that when you are, the longer you, th- you let a, an idea simmer in your head, mm-hmm. the more precious that idea becomes, the more yeah. epic that... You know, I, I remember there was a game that I thought about for probably a good six months and I was confident this game was going to be good. I thought through it. I wrote some rules. I made a bunch of cards. I really put a lot of effort into it. And this mm-hmm. was um, two years ago before I went on my first game design retreat with just Neil. Um, and we sat down and we played three rounds of the game. And I said, this is trash. And he's like, oh, I think you could do something with it. And I said, no, this is this is literal trash. And I threw that game away and I've never touched it since. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a really good lesson of, wow, you really thought this was going to be like the greatest thing. Uh, and it turns out that it was awful. And, and when I first had the idea, I thought that sounds kind of neat, but it was letting it build up in my head for so mm-hmm. long, for so, so long. Um, and really just doing too much around it in general, you know, you start to do this world building and, and all of these things. And it's just, it's just not, it's not good. <laughs> It's just, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm entirely down with that. And I will put my hands up and admit that I've been there as well. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I, you have this idea in your precious little mind and then it's, it's, it's strange. And this is going to be a really sort of like roundabout way of exampling it, but Uh it like an idea starts off as coal. Yeah. It just Mm -hmm. starts off as just something that you could probably set on fire and maybe find a little bit of use for it. But then (laughs) as time progresses and you keep on adding more and more pressure and more and more pressure on top of this idea and you keep on going, oh, so I could build this world and it's got like these people in it and they've got these powers. Oh, and the the cardboard of that should be blue. Like every sort of like little strand that you pull in puts more and more pressure down on this lump of coal. Mm-hmm. And eventually it just becomes, it crystallizes and becomes, you know, it becomes this diamond that you don't want to give up. And mm-hmm. I've been there. I, 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 I have had those diamond games that when you actually, you know, you 
rip them out and you sort of like you finally make them they're actually just kind of like Swarovski crystal and are a bit crap <laughs> so it's like nah get out like and, and yeah same thing you just trash the idea it's just like you feel you know you feel almost like let down by this like this thing that you had hope for it's right. like the Tyra Banks right. classic America's Next Top Model we were rooting for you we were all rooting for you kind of thing exactly and that I think dragged me down the the idea of failing faster or it was, mm-hmm. was certainly like one of the one of the things that started me down that path of doing it right i i love i love the analogy though like the first part of the analogy especially of you know your game starts off as coal set that bad boy on fire and see what happens right i mean like yeah. does it does it burn or does it just does it just kind of flame out you know and that's um, that really is what failing faster gets at the heart of, right? I mean, mm-hmm. because I think it's easy when you quick iterate on a game and you set it down and you and you try to play it and you're like, no, this is not fun. This is this is bad. It's really easy to say chuck it or to say, but I like this one mechanic. I'm going to put mm-hmm. this mechanic in my in my dream list of mechanics that I'm going to use at some point and I'm going to move on. You know, and um, and I, I think that's, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I have a list of mechanics and themes that I find really interesting that darn it, you someday I'm going to use them. Right. And, uh, yeah. and every once in a while I go back and look at stuff and I'm like, that's fantastic. Like, why did I do something with that? And then mm-hmm. I try to, and I'm like, oh, cause it's just, it's not, it's not ready yet. I, it's not. So you put it away. And, and, you know, I think that, you know, just because you, your game fails faster, doesn't mean that you have to be done with it. Right. Yeah. Um, if there's a reason, I, in fact, I would even argue that if if after you do the fail faster test and and any part of it still feels viable, that it mm. probably is in some way, right? Because you're not being precious about it, right? Because you just tried it and it yeah. failed, you know, and no big deal. Um, yeah, th- this is definitely not me sort of like proselytizing about the idea of get an idea, make it. And then it's a very binary thing. It's either absolutely fantastic, I'm going to send it to the publisher immediately, or right. I am going to literally put it into this this dumpster and never talk about it again. It's mm-hmm. the idea behind filing faster that really appeals to me is, like you say, is finding those little those little snatches of light, finding those little moments that oh maybe it's sort of like you know the the way a combination of card works or maybe it's it, it could be something as simple as like one space on a board of where you're placing a worker that's like mm-hmm. well actually that's that's pretty cool right right that that is sort of like the have you been watching any of the mcu stuff have you been watching like the loki tv oh, series all of it i've watched everything as of this morning i've literally watched the everything i've finished the last what if episode that's been released so yeah that was a very good yeah. what if bloody that's dark one, yeah. but very yeah. good yeah. very um, dark but very good yes but so i want to i want to sort of like throw to the loki series with the um the, the timekeepers who have sort of like control over this multiverse or, or at least are trying to control this multiverse mm-hmm. and it's the there's going to be a point where you find a thing in the game that you really, really like. And that is where the time stream will start veering. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when you get that point, that thing that you really like, and you're sort of like you're walking along this new avenue of the time stream, there's going to come up another point where either, you know, something else will spark an interest or something else will be crappy. And, you know, those points will diverge. And it's really kind of, it's kind of lovely exploring this this 
gonna, this is going to sound absolutely tragic, this multiverse of design, because you never right, know right, right. where it's going to go. And I kind of love that that chaos. So why wouldn't you want to experience these these moments quicker and quicker and quicker rather than right. sitting on something for three months, trying it, sitting on something for another three months, and then trying it? I'd seem to be experiencing that, that high of finding something fun every couple of hours. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, too, just the, I think another thing is the the iteration and the time saved that you can do if if something really clicks is so for instance i mentioned this this retreat we did we went in with a game where we had it's 3d printed tiles um of mm-hmm. varying levels uh, and it makes this really cool board um and uh and like we went in we had the tiles we had an we we knew how the tiles laid on the board mm-hmm. and we knew there were going to be rules for how to score the tiles and that was all we had yeah and we sat down and I was like, all right, well, let's figure out how this is going to work and that's going to work. And Neil said, let's just place the tiles and play that game. And I was like, that's not a game. And he's like, let's just do it anyways. So we did. And we're like, ooh, this is really gratifying. Yeah, okay. that, is, that and, is a beautiful thing. That, and That's explorative play. Yes, yes. And what ended up happening was a little less than 72 hours later, we we have a game that we're ready to pitch. Like, and I like, mm-hmm. I mean, like it needs a lot of development, but like, it is a solid game that I would be completely mm. comfortable showing to a publisher after all the iterations because we've explored so much of the game mm-hmm. um, that it's, you know, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, like I did not think that would happen, right? Um, like I expected us to leave with about half a game. Like this game works, but oh, it needs a lot of work. But it's like, mm-hmm. no, we literally explored a ton of these like multiverse, like, you know, splits and variants to 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 pull it back and say this is the best way this game works. Mm-hmm. Now it needs somebody who's smarter than us who does development to say, but here's where it could be a little better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and the fact that we were able to do that in such a short amount of time, it felt like our very own game jam, you know? Yeah, <laughs> where <laughs> I, I I am a huge fan of game jams. Um, I've I've run a couple of them, um, through my through my Twitch channel. Uh, the first one we did. At uh, between Christmas and New Year's last year, so 2020, mm-hmm. and then we did another one at the beginning of this summer. Uh, now I realize one thing with game jams is it's um, it is a privilege to have the time available to be able to do. Of them. course, of course. Um, so cr- between Christmas and New Year, for me, felt like a, a good idea, like a good time to do it because a lot of the time, you know, we're sitting around at home, we're hanging out with family and we've we've already had enough of them so you know spend a bit of time focusing on something that you want to do and and you know you get out of their hair as well which is all good. right right um so we did um it was idlecon and then we had idlecon 2.0 and <laughs> i think out of the out of the the two weeks essentially of of, of game design like nearly 20 25 games were made wow. which which is fantastic, and it's literally like on day one we make the game. You know, here's here's your thing that you are going to make. Here's your your rules and parameters that you need to work with it. Mm-hmm. And then day one you finish your game. Day two right. we try it. Right. Is it good? Is it crap? Who knows? Who cares? Right. We just want to try it. And there's just something incredibly gratifying about throwing something out, and it might have the most jankiest art ever it might 
like some of the rules might collapse halfway through in the game, but you know everybody knows because you're all in the same boat. You're all in the same experience right, of right. just making right. something quickly that potentially could work, and that's right. just you know that's step one. I think of fail faster. That's step one of not like you like we both said earlier now not feeling precious about the thing that you're making and just doing, mm-hmm. you know, making it for the sake of making. Right. Right. And I think one of the other things towards the fail faster, and this is something we've talked about a lot on the show, because I think that it's so useful is the idea of when you're designing to spec, right. Mm-hmm. Or you're designing to uh, restrictions, same thing. Um, and that really like, you know, a game jam uh, that, that does that our game design retreat, we had what we had, we knew what we yeah. could do. And we actually ended up having way more things than we needed, but we also couldn't just say, well, what if we ordered these one things and did this thing? You know, there was no time for that. Right. Yeah. Um, And I think the idea of fail faster limits your options, right. Mm -hmm. Of saying like, I got to just do this now, which means I have to put together these ideas now, which means I can't be like, I should order these one bits and see if I could do this with that. Or maybe I could experiment on like, no, just you have to play it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think those that that just comes right back to it's another form of limitation that uh, can be extremely useful. I I actually kind of like working within a set parameter um, mm-hmm. because you know if you know, for example, that you need to produce a game that has to come in at this budget for production that has mm-hmm. to then you know we need to sell this game for twenty dollars. That means that the distributors are going to sell it to the shops for $10, which means that if we're going to make money out of it, we need to be able to make this game for five. Right. Like that's, that's very, very sort of like simple, like, you know, Mm -hmm. back of a napkin maths. Right, 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 right. But basically, you know, that's, that's how it is. You know, if your game at the end of the, end of the chain is selling in a store for a hundred dollars it's highly likely that it costs between 20 and 25 dollars per unit for it to be made yep so but obviously and the smaller that amount of per unit cost gets the more nimble you have to be thinking Mm -hmm. um which is why you know so many small games are like you know entirely based around cards because they're cheaper to produce and you know we can do them we can do the mass in uh in, in a relatively affordable way uh but yeah the 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 idea of I'll just order this thing. Like you going, you going sort of like saying, Hey, we have these 3d printed tiles and everything. That's just like, I would, holy crap. That would blow my mind. Cause for me, like the first versions of pretty much everything that I have are literally scraps of paper that I very badly fold into a bunch of sleeves that have seen better days because they keep on getting (laughs) used and used and used. Um, couple of dice maybe there's like a stack of meeples over here on the side that will get used at some point right right to, to it's, be fair it's lovely. right to be fair these were not like elegant 3d printed tiles or anything they were literally just the 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 crux of the game is that you have to have a certain placement like you mm-hmm. have to place tiles in a certain way and because of that um the shape had to match otherwise like you could do it with flat tiles and like arrows but oh it would have been so hard right oh, so it's like it three-dimensional kind of vibe as well yeah 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 oh, the, the nice. tiles have three different levels so like you have a flat tile at level one then mm-hmm. you have a level two and a level three but then there are versions of it that make hills that swoop up into it mm-hmm. so it the terrain looks very pleasing at the end of the game um, which is always nice a good thing to right. be aiming for 
and that was the inspiration for it. We happened to see on Airbnb of all places, they had a, uh, they had a picture of mm-hmm. these like cubes of land with little houses on them. Uh, and it was beautiful. And so I took a screenshot of it and sent it to the guys and was like, this is the game. We should work on this game. And, like, and that's what we did. Uh, so, but ours are just like standard, like regular 3d printer, like colored tile, like solid colored tiles mm-hmm. for the different terrain types and stuff. But yeah, so it was as scrappy as you could get for 3d printing it. <laughs> I'm, I'm down. I mean, I, I could see mine would literally probably just be like square bits of paper. Right, right. We tr- we we did try that like in TTS, and it was just too distracting to not have uh, the actual, you know, uh, the actual the the levels yeah. and stuff. Sometimes you yeah. need that, you know, the 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 different physicality of it. I guess, like you for the mm-hmm. game that you were looking to make, the levels and the 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 sort of like the the different strata that you'll be playing on you know that's important that's right, like right. going to be an integral part of the game so mm-hmm. you wouldn't get that same vibe from just like three cards sat on top of each other right um, right it wouldn't work not right. at all yeah so, yeah yeah i want to see this now <laughs> after the show i'll i'll gra- i have to wheel over and get it so after the show i'll pull it out and show it to you it looks it looks pretty cool so nice um yeah so okay so other other like what are the Let's talk a little bit about negatives. Like, can you hmm. think of any specific negative things to fail faster? Um, like any, any things or just cautions? Why, if you're going to do the fail faster method, watch out for this. Uh, one, one thing that I really failed at early when trying fail faster as a method to, to do stuff was, was recording things you know, when you when you are speeding through iterations, you know, we one of the sort of like the the first sort of like simple card games that I did, just to sort of like test out fail faster as a method. Um I th- there was a day where I went through like seven different iterations of the card game in one day. Wow. And this was like, okay, so I've made these cards, I bring them into, you know, I, I bring them into the office, we try it out, blah, 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 blah. And I go, okay, right, this is fine, this is fine. Uh, I need to change this, I need to change this. I'll be back in 20 minutes. So over to the computer, Photoshop gets fired up. Here comes second version. So this is me being fancy. Most of the time I would just sort of like, you know, scribble through with a big Sharpie and go, right, okay, that's that change done, that's that sorted. Um, but getting from version 0.1 to version 0.7 I had not taken down a lot of notes about mm. what I did mm-hmm. between, you know, mm-hmm. what what did you do in version 0.3 or what did you do in 0.5? And the difference between that first build and the seventh build was pretty significant. Mm-hmm. And I was happy of where I was, but I had no idea how I'd got there. You know, it was like I'd started off my day in London and I ended up in New York and it was like, I must have got on a plane somehow, but what route did it take and how did I get to the airport? It's like, it's right, th- right. there's a lot of that. Um, and I don't say like take notes fastidiously, just even like a few keywords or something is going to be super mm-hmm. useful just to sort of like jog your memory. But also if we go back to that sort of like low-key multiversal theory thing, you may have gone down to sort of like, you know, this seventh version of the game. 
-hmm. but there could have been something back there, like version three or version four, that you also really liked that could potentially spring off another, you know, another timeline. Right. right. And, you know, those, those ideas are pretty much lost to the ages now because, I mean, I can barely remember what I had for breakfast this morning, um, which is not me joking. I have very, very bad short-term memory. Um, which is why I'm crap at Euro games. Love them, but I'm absolutely crap. <laughs> uh, so it's like there could have been some, you know, there could have been some gold in that in in them thar iterations, but I will never know. So yeah, caution, take notes, just right, scribble right. down a few things here and there, just to just to make sure that you remember a little bit. And, and I still I still often forget to do it today. Um, right. Right. I've been working on something today that uh, I haven't written up yet, but I will have to do it before I go to bed or else it will fall out because that's it. It's gone, <laughs> gone forever. Right. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. That's a, that's a really fair point. Like we, when we were working on that one game, we were like on iteration four in the same day and it's a mm -hmm. little big, it was a bigger game. Right. So, I mean, there was a lot happening and, uh, and I know at one point I said, this is guys, this is just too confusing. And I'm so glad that one of the other guys spoke up and was like, no, dude, it's not too confusing. We've just played too many versions of this game. Mm -hmm. um, like they're like somebody coming into this. Wouldn't it be like, cause we'd be like, Oh, I did this. No, you can't do that. Like that was from two versions ago. Like, Oh gosh, mm -hmm. but what about this? <laughs> no, that was from the last version. Um, so because of that, like that really, for me, it started giving me this, this, this fake feeling of over complexity that, that there mm -hmm. wasn't in the game. Um, in fact, the game went from very simple to complex to reducing that complexity, um, mm -hmm. you know, really trying to, you know, uh, keep it as streamlined as possible. And, uh, I think that, uh, that, yeah, that, so that's just something to think about. Like when you're, when you're doing that and taking notes will help that, um, yeah. and we, we would always like jot down a few notes so that we could change like update cards and stuff real quick. Mm -hmm. Um, and we actually found that one of the interesting ways to do that was to do it electronically because we had brought a printer with us. So mm -hmm. once you once we would feel good about like, OK, these cards are pretty much set, but we're going to tweak some. We would put them in Word, print them. And then when we wanted to make tweaks, we just hop back in and quick make tweaks mm -hmm. um, and then reprint just those cards we needed. And that that seemed to work, work pretty well. Um, but yeah, the taking notes thing, like it is so easy to say, I'll remember this. And you will not. I no, promise you, you won't. won't. You won't. Not at all. Not even a little bit. Will you remember it? Um, yeah. It's 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 so easy to just get, sort of like get in the weeds, just to sort of like go, oh, okay, yeah, the yeah, this eighteen card game that I'm working on is it's it's up there with Mega Civilization in its complexity, and I uh, am never going to show this to anybody ever again. Uh, it's it's so easy to yeah just sort of like get stuck in your to get stuck in your brain because I think as as humans as these sort of like you know bags of mostly water wandering around with meat inside sort of <laughs> bone mechs, um, we we do have a tendency to sort of like even if it is a, you know this you can see it in front of you. This is the fourth version of this game that I have made today, but your brain meat will still pull it all together. It's sort of like, this is the game. And right, even right. though you might have three basic rules, your brain is there going, well, actually you have 12 basic rules. And it's very, very easy to sort of like get 
to get stuck. Um, I'm a I'm a big proponent of um, player aids. Uh, yes, even me too. Even, even on like the crappiest prototype, if you just sort of like give yep. everybody a card that says what they can do or must mm-hmm. do on their turn, um, it's it 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 means that they're not sort of like sitting there going, oh well, what about this or what about this? You right, know, could right. I do this? Because when you're testing something, um, particularly with other people. And I have, again, been guilty of this myself. Um, you are not testing the entire game. You should never be testing the entire game. You're testing a certain element of it. Like maybe you want to see what happens in a situation where player A has got like a runaway lead and player B is spectacularly trailing behind. Mm-hmm. Now, you can't test that without setting that up. So I find a lot of the time that setting up a scenario in a game and having players test from that point onwards, Mm -hmm. um, particularly if they have a a reasonable understanding of the game before, and that's super helpful. Um, But yeah, like control what you want to be testing. Mm -hmm. Um, Set up a situation, start a game halfway through it and then just see what happens or quit halfway through. Right. I mean, there are, nothing wrong, nothing yeah. wrong with setting fire at your table halfway through. I mean, there are so tragic. Well, or there are just so many times too, where you're playing a version of a game. And if you're, if you're testing an hour long prototype, right. You don't want to keep playing the hour long prototype the mm-hmm. whole time to get information. That's not helpful. So like we would continually, and I, I've always done this a lot in my play tests and even in shorter games, when we get to a certain point, I'll say like, we can stop. I've gotten everything I need. Uh-huh. Now I know how to fix these problems and we'll see if we make it further in the game next time and have that be better. What do you say when the people at your table go, Oh no, no, no. We want to carry on. So yes, yes. That Cause, is because there's that, there's that thing, the designer's brain, that little dinosaur right. designer brains going, Oh, they really like it. <laughs> right. Right. So it depends on the group. Um, I usually, if I'm like at an unpub or something or playing with a group of playtesters, I don't know Uh the kind of the verbiage I almost always use is, Hey, so we've played this many turns. Uh, I feel like I've gotten a lot of good information out of it. If you'd like to keep playing, we can, if you want to stop, I'm comfortable. We can, we can stop now. I've gotten what I need. Uh We can have conversations about it, but if you want to finish the game, you're more than welcome to, and I'll take your feedback at the end. Um, and you see it go both ways, right? Uh, it, it's generally more with my designer friends where I'll say, let's just stop here. I've got what I need. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll challenge you, but you know when they're challenging, it's not because they want to finish the game. It's because they think that they they may be able to assist more, right? If you get further <laughs> in the game. Yeah, and yeah. they're not always right. I mean, we're, we're or all Or they've got an lot. idea in their head where it's like, oh, but you could do this. And it's just right. like, this is my game. Right. This is not going to be a co-design. <laughs> get out. <laughs> Um, but one other, one other thing I wanted to quick throw out that I think is something to watch out for, mm. uh, and this is to watch out for in all game design. But again, when you're, when you're trying to iterate quickly, uh, I think you can also make mistakes quickly, right? And that's just how oh, it yeah. works. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, you really, I think have to, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. You really have to watch is so many times as game designers, when there's a problem, we think, what can I add to this game to fix that problem, right? Mm-hmm. How do I add a rule to do this? Or how do I 
Um, you know, how do I do this one thing or how, how do I, and you, we end up just dumping more things into a game to solve mm-hmm. problems. Right. Um, and then you end up with a too complicated game and then you have to pull it back and streamline it. And I think in a long arcing process of design, that's one thing, but it, when, when you're attempting to fail faster, you have the chance to destroy that game rather quickly with those things. And oh, then yeah, end up, yeah. you know, throwing out the baby with the bathwater as they say. Right. So like, mm-hmm. You know, and then turns out that you had something really good and, and you dropped it because of that. Um, so it's it's a tricky thing. You know, it's um, it's a very thin line to walk. It's like this this tightrope of design. You know, yes, I am a big fan of of iterating quickly. I am a big fan of moving on to the next version of a game. But I think it's it's almost like it's something that comes with time. You, you learn almost like a, again Michael with the Michael with the weird analogies it's like the it's it's like learning to be a surgeon you know you you know when you can when you have like the steady hand that can excise this small section of this game this tiny bit that mm-hmm. needs to be removed like mm-hmm. you see that it's not working and you know that removal is better than adding more stuff in. You know, right, throwing right. all the throwing all the the rules and throwing extra pieces and throwing this that's not going to help anybody. If you're aiming for like you know a for example like a family level game, and then you start throwing in like and in the middle of the round, everybody needs to do this very very convoluted kind of thing. That's right. right. That's right. not what you're doing. It's much better to just try and find that sort of like a, a route around the problem. Um, and there is nothing wrong with removing things from from game concepts. Um, I think that is that is something that a lot of designers, especially in like their early days, uh, a lot of designers don't realize. They think that, hey, this needs to bring in game mechanism a and game mechanism b and game mechanism c it's just like well actually mm-hmm. if you just focused on a a bit more and you know right. polish that up a bit you could be in something really really nice here but they're right. like still throwing you know, like you know more and more spices in on top of it and then you know seven different types of meat on this thing and so it's, i turned it from a surgeon to a chef now so it's like they're just <laughs> like what are you putting in your patient you'd be an awful surgeon michael i would be a very very bad surgeon it's just put some some paprika in there on their liver and it's fine um but no it's it's this i I am entirely now okay with sort of like taking the um the the coco chanel route of games so coco Coco chanel this is very weird um things but uh, coco chanel (laughs) said every time before you for fashion every time before you leave the house take one thing off, remove one thing. And it's almost like the, it, it's like the, the comedy thing, leave them wanting more, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you don't need to add 17 different layers of complexity on top of this thing. Just focus on the thing that makes it really good. That makes it really classy. Right. And that makes you, that makes you happy. Um, I was going to go into another big analogy there about, you know, people who are on the verge of divorce having children just to, you know, patch things up because that's going to make everything better. No, no, it's not. I promise you. It's not Um, going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
just just wrong. leave them or remove that mechanism from your game. Whatever kind of advice you take from this podcast, whether it's in your life or in your game design, <laughs> just do that. Do that. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Um This is why I don't get invited on for interviews a lot of <laughs> the time. Is, this is it, fantastic. It I gets love chaotic. The, I love the chaos. I love the chaos. And our listeners are very used to it, so it's okay. Bless them. Bless them all. <laughs> so um well, hey, this has been a really interesting design topic, but now mm. it's time to uh, have you chat a bit about your upcoming game, Split. Shameless um, and, promotion mode. Here we go. And um, uh, and also, I want to hear a bit about Wayfinder Games uh, and what you're doing with that. So, cool. so, um, so Wayfinder Games is my my new baby, um, which. I've now just realized after what I've just said about, you know, not having a child, blah, blah, blah. This is a very different kind of baby. Um, so a friend of mine uh, who is absolutely lovely, Rain Watt, uh, they are the, uh, essentially the, the, the founder of uh, a little record label over here in, in Belfast called Fourth Strike. Mm-hmm. I've known them for, I've known them for a few years since I moved here. Um, and if you are aware of the internet phenomenon that is uh, Blaseball, uh, then you may well know about Full Strike Records because uh, there is, in this whole Blaseball thing, there is a team. Blaseball is basically fake internet baseball for those of you who need like the, the super, super short version of it. But there's one team called the Seattle Garages who uh, also happen to be a, a real-life band. So they are a ah. fake, made-up team. But they are also a real live band who, over the course of lockdown, um, have released over 40 separate albums, which is absolutely wild. Um, Rain is one of the main people in the band and also, you know, runs the label that they put like physical releases out on. Um, And Rain also happens to have uh, a, a passion for making games and playing games and came to me one day and said, hey, why don't we do some like little indie stuff? Like, you know, they've been working super hard on making Four Strike as a label a, a thing, and they were moving into mm-hmm. the idea of making physical product. And they were sort of like, came to me and said, hey, you know, what if we sort of like tried it? What would, why don't we do it? And I just went, well, I just so happened to have a couple of game ideas that could be pretty useful. Uh, so we sat down for a coffee uh, in Belfast City Centre uh, a few months ago. And I proceeded to, over the course of two hours, uh, spout out nine different game design ideas that were at various levels of, of okay to go. Uh-huh. Uh, and over our third me for a latte uh rain uh, americano uh we shook hands and said we're gonna make some games That's and fantastic. what's really really lovely is i we both bring very sort of like different things to the table um i i think i over the course of the last you know 12 years working in the industry have become a a pretty solid designer. That is the most exciting thing I'm going to say about myself because I'm very bad <laughs> at talking myself up. Uh, I am I am a solid designer. I can make good, entertaining experiences. Uh, Rain, meanwhile, um, knows a good game when they play it and also 
uh, can make things look beautiful. Uh, they have some incredible graphic design skills, uh, and they also have oh, did, access. Did they hmm? work? Out, did they do the graphic design for Split? Yeah. So oh, everything. Gosh, yeah. Wow, it is beautiful. Yeah, it's it's got that real sort of like 1960s uh, Saul Bass poster kind of vibe that we were looking for. Um, if you sort of like are aware of like you know the classic uh, Hitchcock posters for like uh, Vertigo, for example, uh, it's very simple color. Uh, it's very striking lettering. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, the the storyline behind the split, the first game that we're putting out, uh, which will be on Kickstarter the day after this goes live, my friends. Uh, that is August thirty first. I'm not terrified. Brackets, <laughs> I am terrified. You should be. Uh, you should. I be. am always good to be I'm terrified with Kickstarter. Always good. Always good to be terrified. I mean, I, this is probably like the sixty fifth, sixty sixth Kickstarter project that I've had some fingers in some some sort wow. of like tie in like through the various companies I've worked for and various things I've done. Um, but yeah, Rain made it look absolutely beautiful. Uh, we sort of like we're aiming for that 1960s heist vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and the storyline behind the game is uh, you and your fellow players are the, you know, the master criminals who have just pulled off this, this heist of the century. And uh, the boss is a bit of a strange one. Uh, they wouldn't let you join in. In, in the uh, in the gang, unless you agreed to the the terms of how the loot was going to be split up, uh, mm-hmm. which is through a slightly curious card game. Uh, so the actual game design uh, came from uh, a very early uh, Twitch design stream that I was doing, where I was looking at sort of like classic card games, classic board games, and taking those and sort of like trying to ramp them up, you know, building on the bones of building on the bones of a classic and seeing what you can do with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, one of the games that I came up with was uh, is essentially a, uh, a resource management game that's built around Mancala, the classic like Egyptian game of mm-hmm. picking up stones and dropping them in the different pots. Mm-hmm. And the other game that I came up with was based on blackjack. And that is what eventually mutated into the split. Um, so there are loot cards, there's stacks of loot that everybody will be looking to try and grab. Uh, every round one player is the dealer and they basically play a, a very simplified version of blackjack. So, you know, you get cards and you're trying to get as close to 21 as possible without going over. Uh, whoever has the closest to 21 uh, will get first pick of the loot stacks. And then as you go further and further down, then, you know, the amount of stuff that you actually have to choose from is is less and less. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes if people go bust, then there's going to be loot stacks left over. Those get sweetened with a little bit more loot for the next round. Uh, and eventually you'll be looking to like, you know, collect up different sets of different things like jewels and gold and straight cash and uh, microfiche because secrets are also, you know, nice things to steal. They can be very valuable. Uh, and then it's like a, a nice total up at the end. Whoever's got the most cash is the winner. Um, the little twist is uh, there are always one fewer stacks than there are players. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, there is also uh, disguises in the game because you need to be able to get away with your loot. And there's one fewer disguises in the game than there are players as well. So one player is definitely not going to win at all. They're going to walk out there with nothing because they get arrested by the police because, you know, very familiar face after pulling off... Uh, a massive heist. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited about it. And 
it's it's been absolutely wild sort of like working on it because it, it does sort of like lean into the fail faster thing uh because we we knew the game was good um it had been tested with a whole bunch of people but it's been tested like it, it's gone from concept to design to we got the first copy of the the cards today as i'm sort of like wiggling my front on the screen um it's been like three months to turn around a project from wow. wow from like a thing that has been tested and was fun to we are launching on kickstarter and we are going to deliver it by uh by the beginning of november wow Wow. We we we've seen how long it takes for games to make, mm-hmm. you know, to, to mm-hmm. be made, and we know that the industry is absolutely on fire at the moment when it comes to like transporting stuff around the planet. Yep. Um, yep. you know, if a a forty foot container full of games that would have cost you two thousand dollars to bring from China to the west coast of the states, like this time last year, is now costing upward of twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, and this is just, horrifying. It's just awful. It's awful. So, yeah. so we're going down the idea of okay, we're going to try and make almost like micro runs of games, and it's going back to the thing I said earlier about you know the reason you see small card games so much is because they are relatively easy to produce. Yep, and we yep. can produce the split in the UK um, with a, a very very good production house based out of Newcastle. Uh, who can, once they're paid and they have the files, can turn around like you know a 500 print run for us in four days. Which, when a lot of Kickstarters yeah. at the moment are saying, we hope to deliver, oh, in November 2022, or right, some, right. I've seen some Kickstarters going out to like early 2023. Mm-hmm. And we're going, we'll have this to you a fully fledged, a fully tested, and a fun, good looking game. We'll have it to you in a couple of weeks. That's yeah. That's that's really good. Yeah. We t- yeah. It's for like sure. forget forget fail faster. It's produce faster, and we'll <laughs> we'll see how that goes. But um, right. but I'm I'm really excited about it because it's like holy crap! If if you know we have all these good games, not just designed by me. You know, Rain's done some designs. We have a good seven or eight submissions as well already, even though we mm-hmm. only announced that Wayfinder as a company, as an entity, like four weeks ago. Wow, um, wow. You know, people are excited to be getting design ideas out there, I think. And mm-hmm. the ones that really grab us and the ones that when we play them feel good, we mm-hmm. know that we can turn them around quickly. We know that we can make them look really good. And we know that we can produce them at a decent price. Right. So I'm, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm terrified for Tuesday to see what happens, but we right, have a right. relatively low goal. Like, um, I, I, I just about 1800 pounds, which I think is 2,300, $2,400. Oh, yeah. That's not bad at all. And how are you, how are you handling shipping like outside of the UK or are you not? Well, the nice thing is, uh, well, we will be shipping internationally, but the nice thing is if you take two flat decks of cards and put them next to each other, as I'm showing you on the screen, but nobody mm-hmm. at home can see because right, we right, are hearing right. this, um, shipping something like this is relatively inexpensive worldwide. Even getting it to the States is going to cost us like the equivalent of about 5 or $6, which is oh, not wow. a lot. 
No, that that's how much that would cost me to send that in the United States to someone yeah. else in the United States. So, uh, for anybody in the states, it was about the size of a uh, of a media mailbox, um, a mm-hmm. media mailer that you would get. Uh, from yeah. The post so, office so li- like, the idea is we want to keep the, yeah. the box sizes essentially. If you take two packs of standard playing cards and stuck mm-hmm. them together. That's yep. the kind of uh, that's the kind of box size and weight that we're going to be looking for. Maybe with some extra sort of like little trinkets and bits and bobs in there as well. But right, right. The first few games that you're going to see from us are definitely going to be more along those those small box lines. Although we have also got our first big box game lined up, which is built around a pretty significant IP that I can't talk about yet. Nice. <laughs> but they came to us yeah. and said, can you make this? And we went, hell yeah, we can make this. <laughs> Not going to say no. <laughs> no, God, no. Um, but they're really happy with the game as well. So great. Um, great. I'm, it's really nice to be sort of like excited about a project that's like literally on your doorstep, but then mm-hmm. project two and project three and project four. Right. It's just like, right. yes, let's go. Ruby. <laughs> Right. You know, that's, that's important. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that all sounds fantastic. Um, I'm excited to check out the game and I'm excited for you and, uh, and for Thanks, Rain. I appreciate uh, it. something awesome you got going on there. And, uh, and I think it's the kind of thing we're going to see more of, right. Is that yeah. you know, people trying to do different things um, and trying to really uh, just make it all work. Right. Because, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, in, we, yeah. I'm, I'm taking the lead from, from a whole bunch of people, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants. Um, Travis Hill, who's done a couple of games uh, mm-hmm. over the last year. Um, yep. He did Card Rails, which blew my freaking mind. It was, it's such a good little game. And yeah. and yeah. Uh, I originally backed it on the, the Kickstarter that he ran uh, just for the print and play. And then when he said that, uh, originally the physical ones for the Kickstarter were only for folks in the U.S., Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he said he was going to do a second print run, and I could not have thrown my money at the screen fast enough to get a, a proper <laughs> copy of it. That's awesome. Um, and it's sort of like it's it's sat on my shelf downstairs, um, just sort of like as this is a thing that you, that you can do. Mm-hmm. It's almost it's up there as this, like this weird little talisman of someone mm-hmm. else has done it. You can do it as well. Right. And right. I'm 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 excited, man. I'm excited. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, hey, where uh, where can people find? Uh, so obviously, go to the Kickstarter, uh, search for Split or the mm-hmm. Split. Sorry, the Split. Uh, yeah, um, and uh, you can find that on Tuesday, so August thirty first. August thirty first. Um, By the time everybody gets up in America, it's probably going to be live. Yes, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I'm aiming for like. Um, well, I, I stream every day between like eleven thirty and like one thirty ish. Uh, UK time so my plan is to like start it in the middle of the stream and then just sit there and cry as nobody comes in and backs it uh, so or, that'd be fine or cheer with all the people watching you because they all go back it so I mean that would also be a very lovely thing but I am overall Jason a pessimist so <laughs> but pessimist. Be right. it's it's yeah. a thing you can be when you just tell everyone you're actually a realist but really yeah. You're still a pessimist. Yes, I get it. I get it. There is a classic indie song by a band called The Audience called A Pessimist is Never Disappointed. And that is a thing I live by. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is that is. Uh, wow. That is really good. Yes. Yeah. Bleak, um, but bleak, but true. Um, but yeah, if you want to find it, yeah, it's going to be on uh, on Kickstarter on the 31st. Um, you can also 
you know, find me on Twitter. Uh, I am yes. at Idle Michael, I D L E M I C H A E L. Uh, Wayfinder Games is on there as well. Uh, because they only have a limited amount of letters on their Twitter, it's like we have like our rap name now. It's Wayfinder G. And like, I nice. think that's a really good late 80s, early 90s, 90s West yes. Coast rap name. Very but good, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure of it as a uh, as as a as a Twitter handle. Um, hey, right, anybody, any right. suggestions for something better? Let us know. We might change it. Um, but yeah, Wayfinder G is the way to find it, and um, yeah, we will be there. We're your new favorite games company. You just don't know that yet. That's the nice. That's the tagline. Nice, nice. <laughs> Hubris. <laughs> yes, love it. Well, hey, thank you again for coming and hanging out. This was a really good time. It's great to, thank to you. talk to you. I and, truly uh, appreciate it. Thank you very much, Jason. It's um, yeah. it's awesome catching up properly. A- absolutely, absolutely. Well, hey, listeners, thanks for hanging out with us tonight. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, you, of course, you can go to all the places Michael mentioned. Uh, for the podcast, you can go to buildingthegamepodcast.com. Uh, there you can find our Discord channel. You can also go to building the, uh, email us at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. Find us on the Twitter at podcastbtg. I am at J.A. Slingerland because my name is also too long. Uh, and in- <laughs> and uh <laughs> Thanks again for listening and feel free to uh, join us again next week. Until then, good night. Good night. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial 770 Hotel BTG. Please don't use the email.